welcome to the Beware of the Stampede podcast. I'm your announcer for today, Jeremy Grethel, and let's get ready for kickoff. Hello, once again, Bills Mafia, and thank you for joining me, Jeremy Grethel, from Beware the Stampede on this third episode podcast, and I hope all of you out there are feeling as good as I'm feeling right now. Now, maybe, maybe that's because I've had a couple cups of coffee. Very possible. Or maybe it's because the Bills are at 7-3 after our 10th game, 7-3, and and in the playoffs currently. How can you not be happy and excited about that? How can you not be sitting there right now and thinking, wow, it's very possible that we even could have been 9-1. and one. Dare I say 9-1? and one? And yes, I do, because it was a very real possibility. Browns game we were in, we could have won it. Patriots game, we basically put ourselves in the hole in that game. We could have won that game as well. So if you're not excited, after watching last Sunday's game, seeing what the Bills did to work on the problems that they had to clean some of that stuff up and be 7-3, and three, Right now, I don't know what's wrong with you. Go get your head checked. I don't know. Are there still things to fix? Are there still things that we need to progress on? Absolutely. 100%. We're never going to be perfect. There's always things to work on. But we should be excited. And we should be excited because that was the most complete game the Bills have easily played this season. If not last season as well. They were incredibly methodical with what they did. It was as balanced of an attack as you could have had. 33 pass attempts and 34 rushing attempts. Uh, Dayball was calling the game from the box as opposed to being on the sideline for the first time this year. That may have had something to do with the output of the production that we saw and the scoring. It may not have. We don't know. It's a small sample size. What I do know is I will be very surprised if he's on the sideline on Sunday and not up in the box because you don't mess with what's working. So I expect to see him calling the game from the box again. Josh Allen, no interceptions again. Four touchdowns, three passing and a rushing touchdown. 21 for 33 with 256 yards. Seven rushes for 56 yards. I mean, okay, there's a 300-yard game. Granted, not 300 through the air, but it's a 300-yard game. There you go, people. You got it. Okay? Let's get that metric off the list. Okay, 300 yards. He looked great. He had the 40-yard touchdown to John Brown. Uh, John Brown was pretty much in stride for the most part, and that's what we were really hoping to see, too, is extend that field. Go out there, extend the field, make those plays downfield because you know you've got the speed, you know you've got the arm strength of your quarterback to be able to do that. And that makes for a very dangerous offensive team because when you extend that field, you open up the running game. The other thing I love is the first play that the Bills had on offense, they gave the ball to Singletary, and he breaks off a 22-yard run. That's what we all wanted to see, feed the ball to Singletary. Now, the rest of his day wasn't super impressive by any means. I mean, he was 15 for 75 yards, 5 yards per carry. But he did break off that 22-yard run to open the game. And I, I think that was incredibly important to see him do that, because people wanted to see him getting fed the ball, and the fact that that was the first play offensively that they had, I think just generated a lot of momentum out of the gate for these guys. And it's one of those things that once you start out right, it just starts clicking. John Brown, yet again, another monster game. He's had all 10 games a series at over 50 yards. This one he really went off. Uh, nine receptions for 137 yards and two touchdowns. And John Brown has really reinvented himself in this offense. It's really impressive to see because all of the flack that you give Brian Dable he's actually done a really good job utilizing John Brown because if you look at the way his routes that he's been running this year, he's not doing a lot of deep routes. 
as we've seen in the past when he was with Arizona and we've seen Baltimore, where he was considered just mainly a vertical threat. A lot of his routes, especially in this game, were intermediate to short throws. You know, you're looking at 5 to 15 yards where the majority of his receptions were. And then obviously he's getting the yards after the catch. But he's not busting out 40 yards downfield typically to catch that ball at least in this game, in some of the games we've seen. So he's being utilized in a very different way than he has in the past, and it's paying really big dividends if you look at his numbers this year so far. I mean, he has the potential to be the all-time Bills single-season holder for receiving yards in a season. It's very possible. He's on track to put up just over 1,300 yards, and one or two big games is going to easily put him over that mark. So... It's exciting to see him progress and and kind of how he's reinvented himself in this offense and reinvigorated his career. Not that I think his career is on a downhill trend, but I think there was some concern about him being able to operate other than just being a vertical threat. And we've we've seen that, especially this past week. And again, if you don't believe me, go back, watch the tape, go back and look at some of the stats as the runs routes, the next-gen stats that are out there, and you can see those routes that he's run. Uh, and how he's caught a lot of those balls in that short to intermediate throw. Other than that, the other thing I got to say with John Brown, for those that don't know this, and it wasn't really portrayed in the media, and I hate this because I think these are things that need to be talked about and these guys need to be praised for, is John Brown bought 40 tickets for local youth in the Miami area that all made the honor roll, and he brought those kids to the game. And I think that's something that needs to be put out there for people that haven't heard that because these guys are doing something good in the community. And that needs to be talked about because oftentimes we hear about the negative stuff. And there's so much negativity out there, it's nice for once to just highlight something that's positive and that he's making an impact in the community and to those kids by saying, hey, look, you know what? You're doing a great job. You're being rewarded for it. So my hat's off to you, John Brown. That's great stuff to see, great stuff to hear about. I hope more guys continue to do this stuff. Those are the type of stories I want to hear about in the NFL, not some of these other things that we hear about with Miles Garrett or whatever scandals going on or who's been in a fight or abused. I, I hate that stuff. I want to hear about the good stuff. And I know the bad stuff is out there, but I feel like that gets talked about all the time because it's the bad stuff. So I want to take a second and highlight something good. Moving on from that, Stephen Hauschka, House of Money, three for three, hit over a 50-yard field goal this past Sunday. Thank you. Thank you. I don't know what you did. I know last week you talked in the media about having to figure out what the problem was and fixing yourself and trying to get right. And it appears whatever you did worked. So just keep doing that. Going into this game, he was he was having a rough year. He was only 8 of 13. 61.5% of his kicks is what he was making at that point. And that was his lowest career average ever. And then he goes off for 3 for 3, which put him just over 68%. So basically in one game, he brought up his percentage 7% just by going 3 for 3. And he hit all four of his extra points. Let's not forget that as well. That's obviously important as well because those you need to consistently make. Certainly the field goals, there's a little leeway there if you're kicking a 50, you know, 51-yard field goal and you miss it. Okay, but when you're kicking those extra points, those you've got to be hitting. So give you props for that too for the 4 for 4 and the extra points. Levi Wallace, I talked about this on the podcast last week, how his ability to cover higher-quality receivers has been difficult this year for him. And it certainly hasn't gone unnoticed, especially after the Cleveland game where he gave up two touchdowns. He only played 33 snaps to Kevin Johnson's 36. Now, Levi Wallace did still start the game. I was curious to see originally, and I talked about this last week, if he was even going to start the game. I actually thought Johnson might start the game. He didn't, um, but he had less reps than Kevin Johnson. And honestly, watching the two play in that game, I thought Kevin Johnson played the better game than Levi Wallace. 
I would not be surprised to see those reps continue to diminish from Levi Wallace or if he actually gets benched and they start starting Kevin Johnson to see how he does having a full game to play because there really hasn't been a whole lot of differentiation in the snap count up until this past game between Levi Wallace and Kevin Johnson. It's mainly been Levi Wallace's job to lose. He hasn't been producing the way they expect. So that'll be interesting to see what happens on Sunday when we play the Broncos. A couple other things. Obviously, scoring points we know is critical. Under McDermott, anytime they've scored over 20 points, they're 16-4. and four. Under 20 points, they're 6-16. Six and 16. It's like anything we talk about. you got to have points. You've got to be scoring points to win the games. And you can grind out the wins, but it gets a lot harder when you've only got 10 points or 16 points to pull that game out as opposed to having 30 points. I don't think this is a team that wins in a lot of shootouts. I don't, I'm not comfortable with this team yet, seeing that they're going to consistently put up this type of production that we saw on Sunday, but they're on the way there. They're making strides toward that kind of team, and I think they have the ability to be that team. They have the, the pieces there. There's no doubt in my mind. They are a team that has the offensive weapons to consistently be a 30-point team. It's just making sure they're executing the way they need to to be that kind of team, and that's what we haven't seen the consistency in. And that's what we still need to see for me to really believe that we're going to be there. I'm happy. I'm pumped, actually. I'm pumped, to be quite frank. And maybe that didn't sound as enthusiastic as it should have. But I am. I just want to see them be consistent. But the fact that they had this talk, they talked about playing fearless, they gave them the green light to go out there and play their game, and we saw them respond immediately. Now, you can criticize and say it was Miami, Miami's not that good. Well, Miami's been playing better recently. They're not as terrible as everyone thinks they are. I'm not saying they're good. Don't get me wrong. I don't think they are. But they have been playing better, and they did win a couple games. To the dismay of some of the Miami Dolphin fans, that didn't probably want them to win games and just tank the rest of the season to get that first overall pick which now looks like is going to be Cincinnati's, which can we also say for a moment here, did any of you listening to this honestly believe Cincinnati would be an O team right now? Zero wins? Did any of you believe this going into the season? Because I didn't. I didn't think they'd be good, but I didn't think that they wouldn't have a win. I guess I just didn't see the season for them playing out the way it has. It just goes to show how important a guy like A.J. Green is to a team like that because they just can't get anything going. Certainly the Dolphins are the better team between those two. It's a pretty low threshold at the moment, but the game was good. I mean, the, the Bills had a little bit of a scare. It was 22 to 14 at halftime, so they were in control, but it wasn't that the Dolphins were out of it. I mean, the Dolphins made some really good plays. You had Grant return the 101-yard kickoff return for a touchdown. You end up with an onside kick that they recover, basically the exact 10 yards. You return something for 101 yards for a touchdown. It happens. It shouldn't happen. You should be able to stop the guy. The onside kick probably bothers me a little bit more because that's something, while you're not necessarily expecting it, you should be able to get. Granted, I will say this, Miami executed that as perfectly as you could. I mean, I I literally watched that about eight times in a row and kept going back. Everything about that was exactly what you needed. The kick, the way it was kicked, the fact that he was on top of that ball the whole way. I mean, he was stride for stride with that ball up until it got the 10 yards, and they immediately pounced on it. So that was just incredibly well executed by Miami, and I got to give him credit for that because that was as perfect as an onside kick as you could ever have. But the Bills, they did what they needed to do. I mean, they had seven sacks in the game. Seven sacks. I mean, that's a lot of sacks. Seven sacks and nine tackles for a loss. So they had 16 negative plays against Miami. 16. 16 negative plays against Miami is so much that 23% of the offensive snaps that Miami had in that game were backwards. Basically, one out of four plays went backwards for Miami. I mean, if that's not as dominating of a defense as there is at the moment in a game, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, that's 
that's just super, super impressive. You know, you look at the upcoming schedule, you got to be kind of excited. It's going to be tough. I'm not going to lie. And to critics out there who have said we had a cupcake schedule in the beginning of the season, yeah, we did. We had the, the NFL's easiest schedule at the beginning of the season through the first 10 games. I mean, that's that's a fact at this point in time. What's really kind of great, though, if you're a Bills fan, and I'm kind of excited, is imagine, take for a second, you take these next six games, put those at the beginning of the season, and then flip-flop the schedule. It's a very different season at that point in time, because imagine what happens the first six games if we have the schedule that we had playing some of these teams. You know, where we're playing, uh, you know, Denver, uh, with Joe Flacco, Dallas, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, New England, and the Jets. Now, the Jets, maybe not so much. But certainly those other teams are all teams earlier on in the year that would have been, I think, a little more difficult in some cases. Certainly, I think Denver, in this particular instance, would have been a more dangerous team with Joe Flacco under center. I'm not saying that they would win the game. I'm just saying I think they were a better team with Joe Flacco as quarterback. All of a sudden, you're looking at a potentially very different discussion at this point in the season if you flip-flop that part of the schedule. So the fact that we're now, hopefully, and I say hopefully because we don't know yet, getting into our stride offensively, this puts us in a very, very, very good position to make a run on the back half of the season because we still don't have critics buying into us, and that's not a surprise. That happens constantly. We're the Bills. There's never any respect there. There's never any love. We have a cupcake schedule. We're not doing this. We're not doing that. But they're winning the games. You know, at the start of the game, everyone's tied 0-0. You still have to go out there and execute enough to walk away with a win, regardless of the schedule of the other team and what their record is. You still have to play your game and put those points on the board and get that win. There is no guarantees in this league. There is no guarantee at all. So if you're not executing, it doesn't matter. You still have to do it, and you still have to put the points on the board and more than the other guys and walk away with a win. I mean, that's all there is to it. It's that simple. Denver's beatable. I think we're going to win that game. I think we're going to win that game 35-17. I'm going to say that right now. That's my prediction for Sunday, 35-17. If it's more than 35 points, well, even better. But I think it's going to be 35-17. Dallas on Thanksgiving is going to be a really hard game because they're home. It's Thanksgiving. It's a short week for the Bills. They have to travel. I am happy it's on Thanksgiving because it makes Thanksgiving so much better, which hopefully all of you have some plans to enjoy Thanksgiving. Hopefully all of you get to watch it. It's unfortunate it's kind of the 4.30 game. I mean, it's nice, but it isn't. Late afternoon game, so depending on when your family eats dinner. I'm, I'm saying dinner isn't Thanksgiving dinner, depending on... I do things, but whenever you're having it, hopefully you'll get to watch that game. Most people are probably off on Friday. You've probably taken it off. You might do Black Friday shopping and all that stuff. But regardless, I'm excited for this game. It's kind of nice. It's earlier in the evening for me because I still have to work on Friday morning. And some of you may be, like I said, getting up super early to go Black Friday shopping at, I don't even know what time people do it, 1 o'clock or camping out or whatever that is. But that's going to be a tough game. There's no, there's no guarantee in that game. It's going to be a grind-out game, I have a feeling. Baltimore, super interesting game right now because let's just say we beat Denver, we beat Dallas, and then we play Baltimore. Depending on what happens with the Baltimore game and depending on what happens with the Patriots and how we continue to do after the Baltimore game when we play Pittsburgh and then get to New England could have really big implications on the AFC East and the playoff picture because everyone seems to forget that even though we're 7-3 and three and we could have been 9-1, and one, we could have won the Browns game. Honestly, we probably should have won the Browns game because we had multiple missed field goals by Hauschka and just a couple of miscues there. But that was certainly a game we should have walked away with the win. And the Patriots game, which no one in the media talks about. It drives me nuts because we continue to talk about how good the Patriots are, and they never, ever, ever talk about the Bills game. That game was so close. We should have won that game. We could have won that game. We were our own worst enemy in that game. We had four interceptions. 
our offensive line couldn't stop Van Noy. If, I mean, if the offensive line could have stopped Van Noy, if we didn't throw four interceptions, we could have won that game. And we were in that game. And that was probably short of New England losing the hardest game they've had all season. And we still get to play them one more time. And if we play them the way we played Miami on Sunday, it's going to be a really long day for the Patriots. We're in New England it's going to be tough. Foxborough is a tough place to play as it is. It's the end of the season. There's a lot on the line potentially. I don't right now, unless they somehow lock it up, see them sitting all their starters in the second half or anybody for that matter, as they may have done in years past. It could be interesting. The other thing is, is you've got to remember, you know, we all talk about Tom Brady. Tom Brady's older. It's going to be the end of December. It's cold. You know, your body doesn't respond the same. And I wish I could say I responded the same now as I did at 18. That is not true. It's not going to be necessarily an easier game if he has to go out there and play a whole full game in week 16 in the end of December when it could very well be teens, 20s, you know. So it's not as simple as it used to be anymore. So that game could have some serious playoff implications. And then we end up with the Jets you know, after that. In that game, I think we could certainly walk away with that game. The Jets look better this past week. I think we still win that game. The three key games I see right now are Dallas, because it's a short week and it's in Dallas and it's on Thanksgiving. So you're going to get major TV coverage, which is awesome for the Bills and us Bills Mafia. Baltimore, because Lamar Jackson is just a stud and that team is built really well around him. But I think if they can continue to bottle up Lamar Jackson, if they can continue to stop Mark Ingram, and if they can somehow manage to keep that rushing attack down... I think that could be a low-scoring grind out game. I really do. And I think if you can manage to turn this into one of those games, it favors the Bills. If that game turns into a shootout, I don't like our chances. I think if it gets to the point where Baltimore, you know, coming into halftime, coming out of half, is is got 21 on the table, I'd say going into half, I think we're in a hard time. If they can keep it low-scoring game, I think we have a really good chance. I really do. Because I don't know if Baltimore is a team that knows how to grind it out. They very much remind me of a Kansas City team like last year, where they're just putting up points with reckless abandon and just blowing teams out. And I'm not sure if they get into a grind-out game with the Bills if they're going to be able to seal the deal. New England, I'm still confident we can beat New England. I am. If you took that team on Sunday and you put that team in the game against New England, when we played New England, we win that game. Hands down. Hands down. Because the reason we didn't win that game is we didn't score points. And we didn't score points because we had multiple turnovers. We had no turnovers this past game, and we moved the ball incredibly well. Our defense held up in the, in the New England game. Our offense didn't come to show. Right now, we saw a very complete picture of what this team is capable of on Sunday. And you can, again, can use Miami all you want and sit there and blast them and say Miami's not that good. Or you can sit there and say, wow, if the Bills figure this out consistently, they're going to be a fun, exciting, dangerous team. And they're going to be one of those teams other teams aren't going to want to play. And honestly, I don't think a lot of teams want to play us right now. You've got an elite secondary. You've got an offense who shows that they have the potential to click on all cylinders and what can happen when it does. And you've got a team that knows how to grind out a game. Granted, don't always win those games, but they know how to do it. And that's a good thing to have. I've talked about that before, especially when it comes down to the playoffs, comes to the end of the season. You need that team that's going to be able to get in the trenches and grind out a possible win because your competition's harder. There's a lot more on the line. And again, they keep Baltimore at bay somehow. If they figure out a way to do that, I think they can win that game. I really do. Pittsburgh, I think they win that game. Jets, sure. Patriots, I really think if they play the way they've been playing this past week, I think we pull that out in Foxborough. 
I really do. And I know it's Foxborough and it's a tough place to play that time of year, but there, there's just something. And maybe it's because I want to believe. Maybe it's because I really think there's something special about this team. And I think we're really lucky because we have a GM and a coach who have said trust the process, who have gone out there and said, we're going to build this team and we're going to do it the way we want to do it. And we're going to build it through the draft. And we're going to work with the guys that we have. And the guys that don't want to be here, we're going to get rid of. And they've shown that. And they're doing that. And it's working. And that's exciting to watch and see. Because what they have talked about is now showing up on the field. And I don't even think that they've scratched the surface of the potential yet. Because we haven't even seen what's going to happen next year. Because next year, we have $90 million in cap space. Don't quote me on this. I want to say nine draft picks. I don't have it in front of me. That's a lot to work with. When you've already got a very good base, you've got a quarterback that appears to be your franchise quarterback at the moment. And yes, I'm probably putting that well above everything else at the moment. But from what I've seen from Allen and the progressions he's made, I think right now I can feel safe in making that assumption. He's shown what he can do. He is showing the progress you expect to see a sophomore quarterback make, especially for one that didn't even start the entire first year. And you're putting the pieces around him for him to be successful. We didn't see that so much last year. We didn't have the offensive line we needed to to block, to open holes for the running game. We didn't have receivers for him to throw to. We had Zay Jones, who we traded away. We had Kelvin Benjamin, who was a train wreck, who isn't even in the NFL now. They did what they needed to do to fix the problems that they had. They brought in guys that were going to be good complementary pieces to make him be successful. And they've gotten the players that were there that have stayed there to buy into that. And it's now showing and we're seeing the fruits of that labor. So when you add the fact that we've got all this money next year to go out there, obtain, I don't know, more wide receivers, another running back, I, more offensive line, I don't even know. I mean, that, that's that's the scary part, is that there's so much that they could do next year. There's pieces that need to be fixed. There, there's certainly areas that we need to address. But I don't think we're far off from being a very top-tier team. And I think where the media struggles with it is because of the schedule and it being misleading because we're 7-3 and three playing bad teams. And honestly, we have played bad teams, and we haven't played particularly well either in the beginning of the season. I mean, we certainly weren't playing great. I wasn't thrilled with the production we were getting at the beginning of the year. I'm excited with what I just saw. It shows me that there's the potential there, and that what they have started building is along the right path. We just saw what happens when it clicks. And that's what we all expected to see. That's what I expected to see. You know, you go in there and you tell those players to play fearless. You tell them you're taking the reins off and you're going to let them go at it. And if that's what you get, great. Because I've said before, too, they're professional athletes. You shouldn't have to coach these guys a whole lot at this point in their career. You shouldn't. You should be there calling some plays and, and working on certain things. They should know the position. They should know what they need to be doing. That, that shouldn't at this point in their career be any sort of surprise to them or anyone. But you still have to make sure these guys are executing and held accountable. And that's what they've been doing. And they've been doing a great job at it. So being a McDermott, you're doing great. Keep it up. Dayball, way to start calling better plays. Way to start splitting out a more balanced offense. One criticism I guess I could have is the fourth quarter. We're up. You know, we're, we're still running plays with 20 seconds left on the play clock. Run it down. You know, no reason to take chances and let a team come back at this point in time you know run it down burn it keep time of possession but that's really the one main criticism i have of that other than that i was very pleased at this point i'm happy i'm smiling over here i'm not gonna lie i'm pumped for sunday i don't think you can be listening to this podcast and not be excited where we're at i think if you looked at the schedule i think if you looked at the team and you said we were gonna be seven and three at this point in the season i'm not sure no i know a lot of people wouldn't have believed you the media certainly didn't they predicted all of us, they, what, they predicted the Bills to get six and a half wins. So there you go, beat that. And we're not even done yet. I mean, that's that's the crazy part. And uh, in power rankings, we're still 
you know, not probably getting the respect we deserve, but that's because of the quote-unquote cupcake schedule we've had. And again, there's no way to know. These games get scheduled. There's no way to know what's going to be an easy schedule when the season starts. This team's going to have the easiest schedule going into it. Well, yeah, but... And the Browns were supposed to be Super Bowl contenders. That, that That's just still a train wreck. I'm still mad about that game. I, I know a lot of you are. We all are. Because we could we should have won that game. And I could have. We should have won that game. And that just... That super bothers me. I can handle the Patriots. As much as I hate it, because I hate the Patriots. We all do. But the Browns game, I... I it's, that's painful. That just burns. It is what it is. Can't go back and change the past. We got to move on. We got to keep fixing what we can fix and keep making progress. So as long as the Bills continue to do that, continue to adjust what needs to be adjusted, we're going to be okay. We're going to be fine. You know, we talked about last week. Don't panic. See? Much different podcast this week. We're not panicking. We're talking about good things. Talking about all things we want to hear about. All things I want to talk about. Good stuff. A couple little things here and there, but they're all being addressed. The Levi Wallace issue is already being addressed. I mean, he split time with Johnson. So clearly they knew that was a problem, and they're looking at adjusting it to see how that's going to play out to get a better idea of what Johnson's going to do when he's in the game because Wallace isn't making the coverage plays he needs to. The one thing I haven't seen that I still want to see is Duke Williams in the game. I'm still mad about this. Put him in the game. He has produced when he's on the field. He's not been playing, so he hasn't had the opportunity. And we keep playing McKenzie. And McKenzie, I got nothing against you. You're a fast guy. But as far as a receiving standpoint, I want a big, tall, strong receiver. I want Duke Williams in there. I want a guy in the red zone that can go up and get the ball over these smaller secondary players. Put him in the game. And no, he's not the fastest guy. He's not. But he's a big, solid guy with good hands. And when he's played, he produced. You know, he's already got touched on the season, and now he's, for some reason, a healthy scratch. And I, I don't know if there's something else going on there. I don't know what the issue is, but I think he deserves another look. I don't know what he did to not get himself in the lineup or to be a healthy scratch, but he should be in there. That's my take. Give Allen another reliable, big receiving target. Put him out there. Let him run. See what happens. I mean, McKenzie is great because, yeah, McKenzie can run and he can run off some of these crazy plays, but we also don't need that. That's the other thing. Like, I would say if you were a team, if you were a team like the Dolphins, okay? This is a great example, I feel like. If you're a team like the Dolphins, you might need to run a Wildcat offense. You might need to do some more of this crazy stuff because you don't have necessarily great personnel. They don't have great running backs. Drake's gone. He's gone. So they don't really have a solid running back right now. So they may have to mix things up. We do. We have Singletary and Gore. So there's really no reason we need to use McKenzie in that way on offense, in my opinion. You can to mix it up, but he doesn't need to be there. There's no, there's no reason for that. I would rather have a bigger, taller, stronger wide receiver out there for another target for Allen than I would to have McKenzie in rushing. And that's just my take. I don't think that's an argument I'm going to win. I don't think a lot of people agree with me on that. I've had discussions with other fans. I think a lot of people think I'm crazy on that. I don't. I like Williams. I think he's got a lot of talent. I think he deserves to be out there and at least uh, continue to prove himself if that's what it takes. But when he played, he was productive. I mean, he came down with a touchdown. I think he had six receptions, 50-something yards. So, I mean, he's he's not a bad receiver. With that being said, Sunday, Broncos, 35-17 Bills. Everyone going to and from the game, have a great time. Travel safe. Enjoy it. Be loud. Should be a nice day. Should be probably around mid-40s. Partly cloudy, they're saying. But it should be a beautiful day at Orchard Park for a game, for a victory. I know I'm not going to make it. Uh, I'll be watching from home, but uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So hopefully everyone has a great Sunday. Uh, we'll talk again before Thanksgiving. In the meantime, have a great rest of the day. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the game on Sunday. Let's go Buffalo and beware the stampede.